This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Eric Stark and the New Dawn, one of the fastest growing self-help organizations in America. Get off the drugs and into one of our outreach centers. Empower yourself for the New Dawn. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And this week it's Easter on Pod Cemetery with, I guess, religious horror movie Bless the Child from the year 2000. Well, it has it takes, to do with Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Easter Eve. Yeah. yeah. And Monster Rabbit story that also takes place on Easter. Yep. Rotten Tale from 2018. Yes. So, heads up, we talked in our last episode that we were going to watch. Easter Bunny Kill Kill, and then we looked at it and we're like, nah. <laughs> it was just, it was going to be a miserable time for us to watch it. It was going to be a miserable time for us to talk about it. It was going to be a miserable time for you to listen to it. So we decided we would go with something else, and we looked through a quick list of a bunch of independent horror movies. Uh, a lot of bad <laughs> shit is out there, yeah, guys. That are themed around Easter. There's, There's a lot. More than I would have expected. And this was the most professional looking one. Yeah, we probably picked pretty wisely. Yes, I would say. A rotten tale. But before we get into the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. Name three horror movies about revenge. Nightmare on Elm Street. I guess. Jaws 4. <laughs> it's literally called The Revenge. Yes, it is. Rotten Tail. I was going to say, seriously? You're not going to bring up the movie from this week? Also, there's a movie we've watched for the show called Revenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's so many, but sure. There are. There are. Absolutely. All right, Kelsey. Oh, does it have recommended titles? Last House on the Left. Uh-huh. Carrie. Uh-huh. I Spit on Your Grave. Uh-huh. You know, I've never seen I Spit on Your Grave. That's Okay. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. According to Bless the Child, End of Days, The Usual Suspects, and Charles Baudelaire, what is the devil's greatest trick? Make you think he didn't exist. Mm hmm. Convincing the world he doesn't exist. Yes. That quote by Charles Baudelaire is in all three of those movies. Yes. <laughs> Including this one we're going to talk about right now, 2000's Bless the Child, directed by Chuck Russell, with a screenplay by Thomas Rickman, Clifford Green, and Ellen Green, based on the novel by Kathy Cash Spellman. Starring Kim Basinger. Basinger? Bassinger? I've always heard and said Basinger. Yeah, since, like, I was young, but, you know, that was... 
Well, do you want to look it up? The 80s. So I wonder, like, have they, have we been pronouncing it incorrectly all the time? Because we didn't have the internet back then? Look it up. (laughs) Nah, that's fine. Jimmy Smits and Rufus Sewell. Sewell? Sewell. I assume it's Sewell. Yeah. What is Bless the Child about? A young autistic girl is like the second coming of Christ. I guess is the implication there. And the lead Luciferian on Earth. Yeah. (laughs) An ex-child actor who now has a self-help organization. Yes, it's, oh my God, could it feel more like, what's his name? Nexium. That dude? Yes. Yeah. Our, you know, like child prodigy. Although I guess he really wasn't. He was wasn't. He? Yeah, no, that he was just, just lied a lie about all that, that stuff. he told everybody. Uh-huh. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, any any actors who are involved in that shit. But it's always self help. Uh huh. Some people saw this as an attack on Scientology. Who cares? Yeah, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> and if you're a Scientologist and you're listening to our podcast, please stop. What? Please get out of Scientology. It's bad for you. Oh, don't stop listening to the podcast. Yes. Okay. <laughs> get out of there. Save no, yourselves. Please continue listening to the podcast, but maybe take all the good shit you learned and get out. <laughs> That's the problem with those organizations is they teach you shit that might actually work. And then they, now that they have you hooked, they do all this other shit. For that $400 donation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, our self-realization seminars only require a $400 donation. <laughs> but anyway, the lead Luciferian is not going to let her become the second coming of Christ, I guess. He wants to turn her to the side of the devil, like yeah. just like with Jesus when he was confronted by the devil in the desert. Yes. And that's kind of it. That's kind of the story. Yep. You can watch the movie with a subscription to Cinemax or DirecTV. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for $7 on Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and YouTube. It goes up from there on other services. Should people watch Bless the Child? No, and it's really sad because I had good memories of it. I was way too young. Oh, did you? I was way too young when I I saw it. Okay, yeah. You would have been like 13 when it came out. Yeah, so I had fond memories of it, and it's got a good cast. It does. But unfortunately, you don't get the best performances out of them. No, especially not Kim Basinger. I I wrote down, has Kim Basinger always been this flat, like in her performance? Or is it just this movie? I feel like this movie was rushed. Something. It feels very rushed. It feels yes. very rushed. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's 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 end of days. Yes, but on Easter. Just watch end of days. Like I'm seriously telling you, watch end of days instead of this. <laughs> end of days is not good. It's not, but this is worse. <laughs> but it has what's his name, and I really like him. Rufus Sewell. Yes. Yes. He's great in Dark City. Dark City. Right. And many other things. He's a fine actor. And Jimmy Smits from NYPD Blue. <laughs> and the priest from The Fifth Element. Oh, Ian Holm. Yeah. That's where you think of him as The Fifth Element. Is that not where your mind goes? No, it goes to Ash from Alien. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, he's he's definitely in my brain. Fifth Element priest. <laughs> That's fair enough. Cornelius. That's fair enough. <laughs> Yes, but famed actor Ian Holm. I wrote down, 
Where is it? It's somewhere here. Ian Holm, no! <laughs> when, as soon as I saw him, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's in like one scene, though, so it's not too bad. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, don't watch the movie. Practically doing a Donald Pleasance impersonation. Almost, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Felt very Donald Pleasance. But don't watch the movie. Just listen to us talk about it. <laughs> You'll get everything you need. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2000's Bless the Child. I don't think you understand. Cody's very special. You're a psychiatric nurse, Maggie. You know the diagnosis as well as I do. I used to think it was autism, too. But I'm not so sure anymore. It's as if she's listening to something. Something we can't hear or see. It must be that poor bird. It flew into a window and broke its neck. They're all quite curious about death. I think we found the one. She was kidnapped. I won't leave here until somebody helps me. Excuse me, Miss, how old is your child? She's six years old. Same birthday as every kid on that board. You're not like ordinary children, Cody. Do you know that? Dear God, please help me. We're gonna get it back, Maggie. I promise you that. Eric's got this religion, only it's more like the opposite of religion. About a year ago, they started hunting kids. What does this have to do with Cody? She's the one they've been looking for all along. She's gonna lead people to God. Join us, Cody. Stark is well protected. You saying you're scared of him? He'll bury you if you come after him. Promise to get her out of there? I'm not leaving here until I see Cody. There won't be a second chance here. Not for you, not for Cody. You have to choose. If you believe, jump. If not, you come to me. After you. God bless the child that's got his own. That's got his own. I really need to play that song for you. Yes, the strong gets more while the weak ones fade. So first of all, I was sad to learn this is based on a book and I didn't know because I've been planning to watch this for months. I could have read it. Yeah, I wonder, is this a bad sign about the quality of the book? Is it or, a trash novel? Or is the book good and this movie ruined it? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, we're introduced to a woman through her voice. Did you see it yet, darling? And when you first hear the voice, it sounds Irish. Yes. Oh my God, yes, I know who you're talking about. Yep. And then you see the person. Turns out she's Jamaican. And she's giving a Jamaican accent. And it's just, what happened? Both Chris and I heard it. Yes. You said it, and I'm like, oh my god, I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> star of Yaakov, what they be calling the Christmas star. Ain't been seen since Bethlehem. But she tells her that it's the the, the Christmas star. She turns to Kim Basinger randomly. It's just like, did you know the Christmas star is out right now? And Kim Basinger's like, that's nice. Is it the Christmas star? <laughs> that's what she's called it, yes. Oh, jeez. Yes. And when she gets home... Her sister is there, and it's May. It's May from May. And, and she was, she was, I really liked May. If you go back and you listen to May, our episode on May, I actually really liked that one, and I thought that she did a really good job. Her name is Angela Bettis. Yeah, and uh, she's not terrible. 
No, she's not. But she's not great. No, she's not. I mean, she's pretty much playing the character that she's that she is in Girl Interrupted. <laughs> Only in this version, you like her even less because she abandons her child. <laughs> yeah. We still have to watch her version of Carrie. Yes, that is on the list. So, she has a baby, and in this movie, her name is Jenna. It's going to be hard not to call her May. Yeah. But I will call, try to <laughs> call her Jenna. If you say May, we mean Jenna. Yes. And she has a baby named Cody, who is nine days old. I think that that's a really cute name for a girl. I think it's better as a girl's name than a guy's name, to be honest. She tells her something is wrong with her, which we will find out is autism. Yeah. But not really. Even the doctor that she works for, because Kim Basinger is a nurse. <laughs> it's like she can hear something that none of us can. Oh, jeez. I wrote down for this scene, the one where she's talking to her sister, laying it on real thick, aren't they? Like, that's... I, I, it's, it's almost impossible to describe just how tropey and inept this movie is like every yes. single thing that happens is a trope and they do it poorly. Yeah. Who is the director? What is the, what have they directed? Chuck uh, Russell. Cause it's terrible. It felt a lot like end of days because it would have like random action sequences. It was just like, what? <laughs> so here's the thing. He directed both the mask, the Jim Carrey mask. Oh shit. And dream warriors. Oh, shit. Yeah. He directed the 80s version of The Blob. Yeah, but then after this, he directed The Scorpion King. Oh. <laughs> oh, Which so wasn't he... too bad, actually, if so, it wasn't for the bad CG. So he got super interested in CG and just yeah. took projects where There's he could... some bad CG in There's this movie. There's really bad CG yeah. in this movie. So clearly, he just was excited to work with CG. Oh, he did Eraser. Do you remember the CG crocodile that Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots in Eraser? All I remember about Eraser is that it's terrible. And he said something <laughs> like, your luggage, or something like that after he died. <laughs> your luggage. Oh, man. So I guess, yeah, he got really into CG. But Dream Warriors, the blob from the 80s, which I haven't seen. The mask, which, I mean, as an 11-year-old kid, was like, the best fucking movie ever made. <laughs> right. But I mean that that's attributed to Jim Carrey. Yeah. I don't uh -huh. think I don't think it would have mattered who the director would have been. Uh-huh. It with that project. But then Eraser and then this. Yeah. So the only real surprise is Dream Warrior. That was his first movie. And you know what? I'm thinking that maybe because he's so enthralled with CG. That's why he was so excited to do something like Dream Warriors where he could do all the special effects. Yeah. And then he just, he lucked out with his script. Yeah, maybe. Is what I think happened there. But yeah, the, the direction is awful. This movie is not very interested in its own story. It's not. A lot of things kind of, I mean, like a lot of things happen in this movie, but no one seems... Very, none of it feels important. <laughs> Do you remember where, where, how they explained that she can't carry on a social life is that she goes on a date, but they're just watching a movie when he finds out that she has an autistic kid and he's like, well, I got an early morning and I'm going to be really busy for the next week. So, um, I'll call you. Okay. And then like, you know, that fucking trope cliche, I think you could call it at this point. That's in as good as it gets. Yeah. And. Of course, it's not autism, it's cancer. 
Right. <laughs> but like that's the, and that's the only lip service that the movie pays to that entire concept of her not being able to carry on a social life. Yes. You might as well have just taken that out. Yes. And what they kept it in and it was cringy. It was probably more of that in the book. Yeah. So they decided to sh- mm-hmm. just it just it felt like they were just not interested in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get to that point. So she has an argument with her sister. And then she leaves. The sister just leaves. She's like, oh, I'm going to get clean and uh, I'm going to go take a shower. So I'm grabbing all my stuff and walking out the front door. Yes. And just leaves the daughter, Cody, there with Kim Basinger. Yes. So. Maggie, by the way, is her name. Maggie O'Connor. <laughs> yes. And her sister will call her Mags. Yeah. And Cody will call her Mim. Yes. They never explain what that's about. I don't know if it's because she's not really her mom, so she calls her Mim. Maybe it's in the book. Maybe it's in the book. Yeah. Probably in the book. Mm -hmm. But okay, so cut to the future, and we start to learn about these people that are taking kids off the street that were all born on a specific day. Uh, And they're all six years old. Yeah, the first one we see... I wrote down a six-year-old collecting cans in a wagon. What is this, the 50s? And alone in an alley in New York? What the fuck is happening here? I can believe it. No. I can believe it. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. But it it felt very much like Dr. Sleep. Yes. I mean, a little bit. And we get the sense that... Cody, for whatever reason, does not like her mom because her nanny tells her to pray for her mother to return. Uh Uh-huh. And when she leaves, Cody puts her picture down. I would be so pissed if I had a nanny and she was, like, pushing her religion on my five-year-old daughter. Like, that's not your place. But she was raised Catholic. Yeah, I guess. So she doesn't mind any of that. That's why she she sends her to the Catholic school. Right. Well, because they can also help. They have a program going on there. But, you know, even Maggie's like, I don't believe in all that shit. Right. But she doesn't mind her being. She does not mind it being around her child. Like, probably how I would be. It's it's weird because she, she calls her on it. She's like, I found these rosary beads under the pillow. And she's like, oh, well. Cody actually likes them. She left them there. I'll bring some for you. No, please don't. I'll bring some for you. Like, you are my employee. <laughs> no. I would I would have no problem with someone talking to my kid, like, that I trust. Talking to right. them, like, oh, you should pray. Like, I'd be like, yeah, you can do it if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't see an issue with my child Understanding some of the basic thoughts behind religion. Uh Anyway, so we meet Sewell. Yes, who plays Stark is his last name. Is his name name. Stark? It's Eric Stark. Right. And he has the mark. Yes, this very specific mark. It's a pitchfork with the tines pointing off to the left to reflect the left-hand path of the Satanist. Yes. (sighs) They all have this tattoo. They're all, like, branded. Is it a brand or a tattoo? I think there's both, maybe? Okay. But yeah, tattoo, I think, is the primary thing. Everyone has it on them in a very conspicuous place. <laughs> yeah, Christina Ricci, who knew she was in this, yeah, uh-huh. uh, had it all, like, had a giant one on her forearm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
So we meet him and he, he we learn about his organization where he supposedly helps people, but basically he's just he's taking easily manipulated people who, you know, have been on drugs and have had bad family lives, especially younger people. Yeah, he takes them off the street, provides them with a home and friends and everything, and then he- Then he converts them converts to Satanism. Them. Yes. <laughs> so meanwhile, Cody has been going to this Catholic school specifically for- Special needs children. Special needs children. And it's interesting because later the nun will act like she knew all along- Oh, about the, the re she's the reborn and there's the Satanists and they're going to get her and then we can, yeah, like she's in on it this entire time. When in the very first scene that we see her with, she almost seems mad at her for not doing yes. what she's supposed to be doing. No, it's a, it's a stupid trope that they inserted in there to seem interesting that they totally didn't prepare for. Yes. There's this whole scene where, okay, I need to explain this to explain why it does not make sense. She is at school. She is upstairs in uh -huh. a classroom filled with students and at least one teacher that we have seen. Mm -hmm. With all that many kids, it's probably got more than one teacher in there, okay? A bird flies into the window, dies, falls to the ground, okay? And then it cuts from, I got to explain this cut because this cut, it's jarring. It cuts from Cody looking out of the window down and so we're outside the window looking at Cody's face and Cody's looking down at the street just long enough for when we cut to a shot of the street the implication is this is what Cody sees that's what the Kuleshov effect is teaching us <laughs> and it's Kim Basinger walking up and all of a sudden it's like recess or the end of the day and all the kids are outside Yes, Cody is suddenly down there. It's a jarring time jump. Holding the dead bird. And the teacher that we saw earlier in the classroom with her, uh -huh. who would have had to allow her to go downstairs after the bird had already hit the yep. window, suddenly comes downstairs when Cody is already down there. Yeah, this is my point. It's holding like the a dead bird. It's like a time jump. This is later on in the day. But, but nobody took class. care of the dead bird? They Apparently just left not. it there? Apparently, and all the kids go down there, and Cody's sitting there rocking, and she's holding a bird. Nobody cares that she's holding a dead bird, which right? is probably crawling with diseases. And they even comment on it. It's like, oh, death is a thing that kids are fascinated by. Oh, yeah, they're all curious about I it. I blame the Lion King. Yes! <laughs> which is a hysterical line. It, is, it was actually a quality line. I don't know if they meant it as much of a joke as what I took it as. They're all quite curious about death. Do you think they understand death? You'd be surprised. I blame the Lion King. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, uh, pop but quiz, pop quiz. Cody has been spinning things. Yes. And then they've been like spinning perfectly and then they'll be spinning on their own. Yes. So she has some sort of power. Yes. And now she's sitting there mumbling to herself, holding a bird and rocking. Well, she rocks back and forth when she spins things. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen next? Pop quiz. If you guessed she's going to bring the bird back to life, you and literally every other human who heard these words guessed correctly. Yes. It is so incredibly obvious that that's going to happen. And then they play it like it's this incredible idea. 
Like it's a slow-mo frame skippy sort of, oh, the bird flaps away. And then all the kids are chanting, Cody, fix the bird. Cody, fix the bird. I wrote down, this is so bad. Yeah, you hated this scene. Cody, fix the bird. Cody, fix the bird. Maybe he was just knocked out when he hit the window. I'm tired now. Okay, sweetie, we'll go home. It's so bad. But But why didn't anybody take care yes, of the bird? Oh yes. <laughs> And why are they okay with her holding a dead bird? Uh, it's just kids fascinated with death. But let, let them play with a dead bird. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. And the fact that all the kids aren't like, ew, you took, like they were in. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah. But, well, because in that one, she cuts the head off. In yeah. this one, <laughs> in this one, we get a shot above her. And she looks up and smiles as it flies. Yeah, and then the light really happens, bad. and it's oh god, it's so bad. It is a bad shot. So we meet Christina Ricci. Yep, and she tells the audience that she's sketching, and then of course needs to explain that that means that she's coming down because no one's ever fucking used sketching as a word. Also, a nurse. And what kind of nurse is she, by the way? She's a nurse in the ER. I thought from the scene earlier when she was talking to the doctor, I thought she was a nurse in like the pediatric ward or something like that. Because, oh, after all the cases you see, I think you'd be able to identify somebody who has autism. Like, which, she it's just all purpose. She just needs to be in a place in a hospital and they just give her whatever role. Horror movies don't understand hospitals. <laughs> You're right, they don't. They never will. <laughs> they never have. Remember x-ray? Yes. <laughs> Very, very vividly. <laughs> Do you? I remember practically nothing about it. I remember a bunch of ladies walking on a fog-filled Walking in floor. the dark, right? Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind when you say X-Ray. It was the weirdest movie. And nobody listens to that episode either. Well, it's a terrible movie. So. It is a terrible movie, but it's paired with Valentine. Oh, Also... You really like to trash on my middle school uh-huh. horror movies. I do. So she explains that she was overdosed on purpose by her club that doesn't like it when you quit. Yes. And Kim Basinger says some club or sounds like some club or something like that. It's just like, I just told you I was that they attempted murder on me and that's your right. response. They you don't jumped tell me, me out. You like, don't tell me that I should be contacting the police and <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Just, that doesn't sound like a club I'd want to be in. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I'm sketching, you know, coming down. Some friend shot me up. Wanted me to end up in the morgue instead of here. Why would they do that? <sighs> they don't like people quitting their club. Nice club. But so they're talking, 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 and Christina Ricci ends up liking her because she's very nice to her, and she says, you look like her. Like who? Jenna. What? Janet. What? Yeah, my friend Janet. I, 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 I don't know who you, who's this Jenna? I, don't, I was talking about somebody named Janet. 
And it's like, no, you said Jenna. You know my sister. Where is she? I haven't seen her in six years since she left a baby in my apartment. Yeah. I mean, this movie is just a formula. It is just scene to scene to scene. I wrote down somewhere around here. If there's a decision to be made, you can bet these people made the wrong one. Yeah. They just wanted to get from moment to moment. Yep. And that's exactly, yes. None of it mattered. That's a perfect description. She ends up convincing her to admit that she did say Janet, and she explains to her the the girl is special. They want the little girl. Do not let them get her. And then she leaves. (laughs) I forget where this takes place, but she learns about the Luciferians. She learns about Black Easter. I don't remember who tells her about that. Is that Fifth Element Priest? Or is he later? No, Jimmy Smits talks to the other cops about it. Oh, right, because he used to be a priest. He used to be a priest. See what I mean? Like, all the fucking cliches. He used to be in seminary school. He never made it to be a priest. And he decided he wanted to have a more tangible impact on people's lives and catching the bad guys and stuff. So he became a cop. Now he's in the FBI. And he's been assigned to this child murder case to help track him down. And he thinks that it's a bunch of Luciferians. So he's explaining to the cops what all the symbols mean, and by proxy, explaining it to the audience. Yes. So that is how we learn that basically she is, like we said, the next Christ, and he wants to grab her. Yeah. Like, it is not subtle at all. No. There is a terrible dream sequence with rats. Yep. These rats will come back several times. They're really terrible. So, (laughs) in this sequence... We hear Cody scream. Kim Basinger runs to the room. The music crescendos. The door opens and there are CG rats fucking everywhere. And she freaks out, throws her hands up in front of her face. And when she pulls them back, there's an obvious cut in that moment too. And when she pulls them back, she's just in her living room. And then she hears Cody scream. And she runs down the hallway and the music starts to crescendo. And what do you think is going to happen when she opens the door? It's going to be completely empty and Cody's going to be fine. Yeah, you and everyone else anticipated that. It is so incredibly predictable. That's exactly what happens. Yes, and she says she had a bad dream. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I dreamt standing up in my living room. No, I think she's sitting. I think she's sitting. But she also has scratches on her hand, so she knows they were real. Oh, man. Ooh. Wait until you find out that concussions give you superpowers. That's coming later. (laughs) So then they're going shopping, and all of a sudden, Cody wants to go into the church of their nanny. Uh Uh-huh. And she, of course, wanders off, because you can't can't look away from this child. Uh Uh-huh. And she's found the little prayer room with candles, and Chris looked up. After everything had happened and was like, what? Is she supposed to have lit all the candles? (laughs) And that's exactly what I missed, is that she lit all the candles. But why magic? Yeah, oh, sorry. By magic. And uh, also the virgin is crying because she knows the trials and tribulations that lay ahead. Oh, my God. Like, she literally sees Cody light all these candles with magic and... Doesn't do anything with that. She sees the statue of the Virgin Mary crying, which is a fucking miracle. (laughs) Doesn't do anything about that. Well, she doesn't have much time to because when she gets home, 
Eric and Jenna are waiting for her. Yes. Eric and Jenna have gotten married. A month. They met a month ago. They met ago. a month ago. And she was a druggie that showed up to his program. And that's really fucking inappropriate. In a month, he gets her clean and marries her. Well, and he's like, well, we're both druggies. So we know what we're going through. And Well, what did the guy do in? He had no time. Axiom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he had no time. He needed to get all this done by Easter Eve. Yes, it needs to be done by Easter. And so they show up and take Cody. And I have written down here, later on, Jimmy Smith is going to tell Kim Basinger, you need a lawyer, not a cop. And yes, six years on, she's already in school and you don't have any documentation showing that you're this child's guardian? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Yeah, I, I don't, don't care if that's the real mother. If she shows up, she does not have custody rights. Just because she's the real mother, you would have established custody at this point. Yeah, I don't think it would be legal for her to have kept her there all that time and not gotten custody. How would you have enrolled her in any school? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. But horror movies don't understand how life works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> so they threaten her. They tell her, if you get in our way, then we'll take you to court. And then they sta- steal her. And he her. has tons of lawyers that he pays a lot of money for and da da da. Yes, so she goes to the cops. And there's, of course, the idiot cop, the trope of rolling his eyes at her, telling her it's not his problem. Yeah, but Jimmy Smith's over here and is like, oh, Oh, you're you're very specifically related to the case that I'm investigating. Oh, and yes, your daughter was six years old and she has the birthday of all these victims and she was kidnapped by a guy who I think is involved, but I don't think this has to do with that. <laughs> Just go talk to a lawyer. Like, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> she goes to his one of his outreach programs. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a tour? And yes, it felt very much like Scientology. Yes. And I'm okay with that. If yep. you're in Scientology, get out. <laughs> please get out. If you're in Nexium, please get out. Oh, good There's God. There's still people. There are people. <laughs> if you're listening to this, get out now. Good God. <laughs> we only require a $400 donation. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Um, our self-realization seminars only require a $400 donation. He offers them power that will change their lives. Uh-huh. Meaning and, the devil's and power. And for you to become your own god, basically rejecting the god of the Bible as being a force in your life. Which is pretty much what Satanism is. Yeah. And she tells the guy that's giving her a tour, I want to meet with Eric Stark. And he's like, well, I can't do that, but you can email him. You can email him through our kiosks that we have here. <laughs> Or you could just email him at home. It's the year 2000, not 1990. They didn't know what email was. I guess not. You've got mail, remember? Email was brand new. Yeah, in the late 90s. That was 99. That was right before this came out. AOL. Like, just fucking email. <laughs> like, you needed a special terminal to get... Like, I can understand if it was some special service, but the fact that, oh, go to our computers that we have here and you can communicate with him that way. Like, that's... It's remarkable. The net was from 1995. Yeah, and do you remember how that seemed like... Well, it got a lot of stuff really wrong and yeah. stupid. But still, like, this wasn't a, like a new concept five years on from the net. 
one year on from a romantic comedy based around the entire concept of email. There are still people who don't know what email is, okay? <laughs> like, let's just understand okay. that not everyone got okay, it. Okay, okay. So Christina Ricci is back. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'll tell you where the kid is if you bring me money so I can get out of the city because she is being followed. Yeah. And is probably going to be killed because they already tried to kill her and they were unsuccessful. And she asks her, do you believe in the devil? And Kim's like, no. <laughs> and she goes, well, you would if you had, if you had seen the, the shit I have seen. It made me think of Constantine. You should. He believes in you. Yeah. But that's a tropey statement in and of itself, too. Oh, Constantine. <laughs> so she says that they have been doing the slaughter of the innocents, which we will later find out is pretty much what happened when Moses was born. So if you're not familiar with the story of Moses, when he was born, there was... A prophecy? A prophecy that he would be born Mm -hmm. and that he would be the undoing of the pharaohs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so on that day, the day that that kid was born, they killed like all the babies that had been born Mm -hmm. on that same day. Which is why Moses' mom sent him down the river. Yes, down the river. And then the pharaoh's wife found him in the river, and raised mm-hmm. him as her own. Because that makes sense. Right, like the pharaoh wouldn't go, where'd you get that baby? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's kill it just to be safe. Exactly. <laughs> but he did it. He did not. So uh, that's how Moses survived. Yep. But yeah, so that's what's going on here. They're killing everyone who's been born on that day to, well. She also says that 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 he puts them through this test. Yeah, it's actually, the plan is not to kill them. The plan is to find Cody. Uh-huh. And, and once they find the one, her. once they find the one who can pass the test, which uh-huh. Cody can do, they, they want to try to convert her. If they can't convert her, they will kill her. Yes. But they kill all these little kids when they fail the test anyway. Yes. And I don't know what the fucking test is supposed to be. Is it when he takes her... I guess the the roof and no, is it when he takes her to the homeless people, homeless person? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Can you talk this homeless person out of setting himself on fire? Is that the test? (laughs) I don't know. Can you not jump off the top of this building? Like, what are these tests? I remember be, like seeing that in the theater and loving that line. After you. I loved that line. Because yeah. I was like, fuck you and your tests. What about you and your God? <laughs> I loved that. But also, like, are you really, how are you going to explain a dead kid who jumped off the building? Well, no. The idea is there's no way she would. Yeah. Why would she? So that's the idea is that she... Of course I'm not going to jump off. Of course I'm going to accept you. But that she doesn't. She Uh says, after you, because she's smart. (laughs) If you believe, Cody, jump. Jump! After you. (laughs) 
these guys come and they they atta- they chase Christina Ricci out of the diner that they're in. And like, so all this stuff is happening really fast. And how you say they can't wait to get from plot point to plot point. This is what we're talking about. She gets a call. She goes to the diner. Christina Ricci does an exposition dump. And then that's exactly the moment that these people show up and chase her out of the diner. And it's just like plot beat, plot beat, plot beat. Yes. Kim Basinger tries to follow after her tries to save Christina Ricci, but she is unsuccessful. They start beating the shit out of Christina Ricci in this subway. We see some demons. Well, because Kim Basinger gets hit over the head. And then from that moment on, she can see shit. Aside from the dream that she had about the about the rats, now she can see demons. So when they're kicking the shit out of Christina Ricci, there are demons flying over, like goading them on or whatever. And she sees them. It's like bad CG. I mean, the designs are kind of cool, actually. That's what I was going to yeah. say. I was going to say, surprisingly, those are probably the best things yeah. that came out of the CG. <laughs> they were actually kind of cool, the way that they moved was uh-huh. neat. They felt like those demons in Night on Bald Mountain, those little winged ones. Yeah. Yeah. They or they like also them. kind of reminded me of Constantine. I liked Constantine. Yeah, uh-huh, totally. But now she has a concussion, and that concussion gave her superpowers. <laughs> she She wakes up in the hospital. No, she does not. Doesn't she? No. What does she see before she goes to the hospital? Christina Ricci's head popped off. Oh, right. She wakes up in the subway. (laughs) Yes. She sees Christina Ricci propped up against a pillar and nobody has found her. And when she touches her to see if she's still alive, her head rolls off. Yes. Which was surprising. (laughs) Probably the most surprising thing in the movie. (laughs) And then she like passes out and wakes up in a hospital. Jimmy Smits is there. Well, let's talk about all the angels that we've been seeing. Oh, yes. There's an angel at the cop. Like, there's an angel. uh, Who talks to Jimmy Smits. Who's like a. He's a janitor. Janitor. Yeah. He brings the lilies back to life. Maybe. And he tells him no good man is working alone or whatever. And it's like there are these men that they're laying it on really fucking thick that these are basically angels in human form. And I am honestly, I wrote down. I am surprised that the movie had the restraint not to rub all the good Samaritan angels that we meet in our faces, like bringing them back, like as Cody and and Kim Basinger are driving away from the scene, all three of them meet up together and smile as she drives away or something. I'm really surprised that they did not, that they had the restraint to not do that because that is exactly the sort of thing I would expect this movie to do. It's been doing everything else just as hacky as that. But yes, there are going to be several of these. The janitor is the first one we meet. So the next thing I have written down is when she goes to confront Eric and Jenna. Well, first of all, Jimmy Smith says he's going to keep a police officer stationed out her outside her door for the next few days. Like how long do they expect her to be in that hospital? I'm not a I'm not a professional as to what concussion protocol is, but I'm pretty sure it's like a day or two. Horror movies don't understand hospitals. Well, they might be right on this. I I I am not certain on this. I'm pretty sure it's a day or two of observation and then increasing activity, and then they want to meet you like three days later again just to check and make sure you're progressing well. But it's not sort of like an inpatient thing where you're there for a week when you get a concussion. Concussion bad, not a week in the hospital bad. But anyway, she escapes because the cop is flirting with a nurse or something like that. Yes. 
she got the address from Christina Ricci yeah. of where to go. So she goes to confront Eric and Jenna, and she's seeing some demons there. And there's a lady with a really stupid umbrella that's like all broken up. Yeah. And there's a girl like in a dress, like on, with the fence, you know, with a stick or whatever. And there's the curly haired redhead kid and the older kid that keeps tossing him cans and he hits the cans with a stick or whatever. Yes. It's all very just laying it on thick. Yeah. She threatens to shoot Eric. To, mm-hmm. to take the little girl away. And he somehow took all the bullets out of her yes, gun. Yes, he has the bullets in his hand. He's a magician now, apparently. He's not just a Satanist. He has the powers of Satan. Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh-huh. what that's what Christina Ricci was saying. Yeah. I mean, they, they, have, mm-hmm. they are demons, you know, like he... He's consorting he's with demons. The, he's yeah. got the mm-hmm. real power. I have the power. But she was going to straight up murder him. <laughs> are you really going to shoot me, Maggie? Right here, in front of Cody. Close your eyes, sweetheart. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter anyway. She tries to make a deal with him, and it's a shitty deal. The deal is basically, I take Cody, and then you never see me again. Like, that's supposed to be a good deal for him. Well, because she has information about his shady business. Does she, though? I thought she did. She has She has an address. <laughs> no, I thought she had information about what he was doing she just wasn't gonna go to the cops or whatever and it's like if you know what he's doing do you really think he's scared of that like what like it's it's that deal was entirely one-sided it's basically like i get to take cody and then i never have to deal with you anymore those are the two sides of that deal like come on yes yes (laughs) like i'd be afraid of you wanting something to do with me after that yes it's ridiculous and she wakes up on the bridge She's driving the wrong way down traffic. Yeah, in the middle of a bridge. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, how did she get here? Mm-hmm. Was it magic? Was it's it magic. devil magic? It's magic, yeah. And then her brakes aren't working, but also her car just continues going. Like, it doesn't slow down or anything. Right, because it's on a flat bridge. Right. It's not like it's going downhill or anything. And people, you know, are all swerving to get and she can't stop. And then she ends up almost falling off the bridge. Yeah, crashing over the railing. The car is falling down. A man comes to save her. You have to get out of this car or whatever. And he's holding on to the car for support. And it's like, dog, the car is what's going to fall. But he that ends up. That doesn't matter. Yeah, Chris. it doesn't matter because he's an angel. He's, he's the an second angel. Good Samaritan we meet. He pulls her out. Uh, and then the car falls immediately. But I love this aspect of it because it's like leaking gas everywhere. It's caught on fire at this point as it's been hanging over the bridge. And I actually really like this. We get a slow motion shot of the car falling. And before it can hit the water, it just explodes into a million pieces. Because it was covered in gasoline. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of actually a pretty interesting shot. It's one of the best shots in the entire movie. <laughs> and so I had to remark on it here. <laughs> But yes, no one saw that she was saved. Yeah. Everyone because thought she died. Because when she talks on the phone later with Jimmy Smith, he's like, yeah, we thought you were dead. No one said anything about a man or a whatever. Yeah, no one saw you get out. Somewhere in here I wrote down, if my eyes rolled any further, they'd fall out of my head. I can't remember what specific moment. Normally I put a comment about the moment. I think it's just in general. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Stark takes her to like a homeless guy and is like, I'm gonna put him, I'm gonna set him on fire. And it's Cody, yeah. And Cody's just like, what? And he's like, because, you know, God doesn't love him or God would stop this. So clearly God doesn't love him. And besides which, his life is shit. So if I kill him, I'm actually giving him a better deal. Well, he 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 makes the homeless man go to kill himself. Yes. So he, he gives the man the can of gasoline. And I don't know if he just anticipates that this man is going to be so depressed that he's going to set himself on fire or if he magics him in some way. But he pours the gasoline all over himself and lights a match. I think he's been hypnotized. Yeah. And then Cody walks up to him and leans down and there's some anticipation like, oh, God, what is she going to do? She puts her face right in front of the match. What is she going to do? If you guessed blow out the match, you and literally everyone else are right. Yes. Incredibly predictable. And then she hugs him and says, God, he hasn't forgotten you. Yeah. He hasn't forgotten And this guy, like, is immediately changed. He's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. He's not embittered by years of being like this. He's going to lead. She's going to lead people to God. I guess. A lot of people. That's exactly the line that Christine (laughs) gives. And so he's like, I'm going to change my life now. And as she walks away, like, ha, I saved a man. Rufus Sewell takes his lighter, lights it, and just throws it on the guy. (laughs) And he says to God, she will be ours. Yeah, looks up and says she will be ours. And just leaves behind the evidence that there's of his own lighter. Yeah. You have matches. He has magic. It's magic, man. Then make the fire out of magic. Don't throw physical evidence at him. But it looked cool. Yeah, that's exactly, that's all it was concerned about. Yes. Yes, because what he says is, I can give him the strength to end his pain. So yes, he is hypnotizing him to kill himself. Okay. And then that night, he will... (laughs) That night, he's going to bring her up to the top of the building and be like. Kill yourself if you love God so much. Yeah, God. What? If God loves you, God won't let you die. And I love her her response. I know I said this earlier, but it's just like, after you. Yeah. (laughs) You believe in your devil. Is the devil going to save you? And he gets so angry at this little girl. It's just like, oh, God. We meet Ian Holm (laughs) because... What, the nun takes yes, her there, Yes, the right? nun yeah. takes her there. The nun from the school. That's what it is. Yeah, Reverend Grissom is his name, and he has been admonished by the church for his beliefs on that there are Satanists out there, and the devil is trying to kill the second coming of Christ, and I guess the church admonished him for his beliefs, and so now he's like an underground rebel priest. Yes. And he's only in this one scene, and it's basically, get Cody, and get her to this place in Vermont or something like that where I'm stationed. And apparently this nun who's been at my child's school this entire time, I I guess is she supposed to be one of the good Samaritan angels too? I don't, I don't know. Uh, whatever. But that's the task is get Cody and get her to Vermont. That's like the quest that Kim Basinger has now. And that's all you're going to see of Ian Holm the rest of the movie. And how lucky that, you know, do you know where she is? Oh, yeah, she's going to go to the dentist tomorrow. She just happens to know that because Cody told her that. I wrote down, why would he even take her to the dentist before he knew if he was going to kill her? Yeah. What is happening? Why would you take her to the dentist? It is so weird. What the fuck is... Are you really that concerned about her regular checkups right now? Easter Eve is today. (laughs) (laughs) And so Kim Basinger goes to the dentist. Well, it is a Satanist dentist. No, you don't know that. 
No, he's in on it. He runs after her. Yeah, because she just potentially stole a child. She walks in, goes into the back, and Cody recognizes her. So the dentist is like, yeah, sure. We're just going to, you know, blah, 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 just regular checkup stuff. And then she just takes Cody and leaves. The old woman who is like the nanny this whole time, who is apparently a demon. Yes. Instead, when she notices her go into that back room, instead of following her, she goes downstairs to her getaway driver, Ian Holmes' younger priest assistant, who does this sort of exfil kind of stuff, getting people out of the New Dawn, which is the name of this cult, is down there, goes down to him and sticks her knitting needles into his eyes. And we've seen that before several yes. times. But it's like, why not just go get the kid? Because now you lost the kid because she gets away with the kid. It doesn't matter. They get her back right away. It's, it is. It is just thing, 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 thing. They're running away from this dentist's office and she goes to the subway and the subway door is about to close and some woman just reaches out her umbrella, keeps the door open and then smiles. Another one of these good Samaritans. Mm -hmm. The nanny demon runs in and doesn't make it, and then we see her face turn into a demon. Remember, Kim Basinger can see all this stuff because she got hit in the head real hard. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jimmy Smith goes oh, to this home. But also, Cody finds the time to go and hug a girl with cancer, and I don't know what that's about. Was she supposed to be curing her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just throw that in there. We need right? a girl with cancer. Right? Like, oh my god, it is so cloying and unnecessary Oh, but anyway, Jimmy Smits goes to this address because Kim Basinger gives it to him, the, the home address and the whole place has been scrubbed clean. He's vamoosed, but his computer is still there and it has files on it that are encrypted. Why wouldn't he take the computer with him? I don't know. Because they needed something. They but, get the kid yes, back. Yes, they get the kid back. <laughs> and then they take her to. He this makes a reference to the Last Supper at dinner. She makes the plates spin around, uh -huh. and then He's he like, says, that's it? That's the power of God, or whatever? And then he sends her off to get ready for tomorrow. I, what is happening? What is the story? <sighs> so they go into this church that they have set up, this Church of Satan, or whatever. Jimmy Smits and his SWAT team, or whatever, are, are converging on this place. Kim Basinger runs away. She was told to stay in the car, and she doesn't. We see rats that literally make the devil. <laughs> yes, all the rats come running in. These are these sort of hairless rats that we've been seeing this entire time. Come scurrying around and then they form into a body on a throne. And then it's the devil. She sees it, it and then it poof, disappears. A terribly just boring ass devil. Yep. Just CG like from a metal band CD cover. Yeah. And so when Cody refuses to admonish the Lord and follow Satan, because his whole entire plan rests on convincing her to become a Satanist at gunpoint. When she refuses, he pulls a gun on her, and then Kim Basinger jumps in front of her, no, and gets shot twice. And then Rufus Sewell just stops firing his gun after that. After she drops to the floor, he stops. And then when when he like oh, oh what? because oh. angels show up. Well, that's when the angels show up, and then that's when he starts goes to fire the gun again, and he gets attacked by the angels. But I think the idea is that he's so shocked by the angels that he stops. 
I think they show up and he's like, whoa. Oh, they show up because she was shot, but he shoots her. She falls to the ground. Cody goes to her and then the angels show up to heal her and he's shocked by that. But he goes, fire, fire. Oh, good. I killed that annoying bitch. And he doesn't fire on the kid now. And then the angels show up. Like it's, there's, he apparently only had two bullets in that gun or something. Like it was, I'll, I'll, I'll share the scene on Twitter and you'll realize like, why is he hesitating at this point? There's, he could, he could win at this point by killing this kid. And he just doesn't take the opportunity. And then the cop shoots him. Yep. And then, oh, and I love this part. Then we see the sister, the the mom yeah. of Cody. Jenna. And Jenna, so she's been on Eric's side this whole time. And he's been drugging her, though. He's been keeping her drugged. Yes. And she's the, she's been there and... Kim Basinger is forced to save her. Like something is going to fall on her and yeah. she has to grab her or something. So we see, we slow down to see her save her sister. And then they walk outside of the church and she is immediately, cause she's been wearing like this really like skimpy dress. Yeah. She is immediately covered with a blanket uh-huh. as if someone was ready in the wings for uh-huh. her. And then just, oh, there's going to be somebody we're rescuing here. I'm going to, yeah. Uh-huh. And then she is just whisked off to the wings again. We don't ever, need to see her oh, it's, again. it's just it's just a line uh jenna said i can have custody now how's jenna doing in rehab fine so far she asked me to adopt cody <laughs> no one will ever take her away from me again <laughs> they just think that's it just just add a line that says she has custody now <laughs> just thing all after that's thing resolved after thing after thing and, and yeah this final sort of denouement sequence is them <sighs> walking into the church Oh, we got to get there before the bells. This one kid who's been who has we've this, been seeing him throughout he has the this whole piercing movie. from his ear to his nose or to his lip or something. And that's how he kind of stands out. He helped abduct the the six year olds earlier in the movie. He comes running from like a mile away after this little girl. <laughs> and he's gonna kill her. And then as soon as he gets to her, she turns around as the bells of the church are ringing. And then when he locks eyes with her, he's like, <gasps> and he stops. And then he turns and he runs away yeah. because he saw something in her eyes or she changed his heart or whatever. Fucking whatever. She can stop them in their tracks now. She has powers. I wrote at one point halfway through the movie or so, I wrote, it's absolutely terrible, but it's a benign terrible. Like, I can't bring myself to hate it, It but it's (laughs) awful. I wrote down, this is just kind of boring and predictable. Yes! That's, like, it's benign, is what it is. Do you have anything else to say about the movie, Kelsey? No. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm sure it's low. What is it, like a 42? There are Okay, so there are a lot of reviews. Okay. Like 200 or something like that. 3%. 3 Bless the Child squanders its talented cast on a plot that's more likely to inspire unintentional laughs than shivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. So Rotten Tomatoes, we haven't talked about it in a while. It's a percentage of professional reviews that were either positive or negative. If you had to say this review was positive or negative, which would it be? It's the percentage of positive reviews. And yeah, I can't see anyone liking this movie. But it drives that percentage down so far that 3% sounds 
Fair. Like it's a 3% good movie and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's better than that. Mm-hmm. It's Metacritic is 17 though and that's still low. Mm-hmm. But it's cinema score is a B. Wow. I would give this movie a D, I think, coming out. Like, it's not, I hated it, F, but it's a D. It's a D movie. What would you give it, Kelsey? I mean, obviously, I think you think that it's underrated. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Which isn't saying much, because this is a very low bar. Yes. But underrated, what would you give it? I'll give it a 25. Because it's so benign, I was going to put it probably somewhere at like a 20. I, that's the problem. It's not offensively bad. It's just ridiculously trite. Yes. Well said. I hope you didn't watch this movie on our account. I hope you waited until we told you whether to watch it or not so you <laughs> would not watch it. Because you just wasted an hour and 45 minutes or something like that of your time. <laughs> All right. That is 2000's Bless the Child. Before we move into our next movie, Kelsey... Horror trivia. Name one horror movie that begins with the letter Q. Quarantine. Yep. All right, Kelsey. In Rotten Tale from 2018, scientist Peter Cotton works for the government on a special secret project to develop what? Fertility serum. Yeah, serum to cure infertility. That's mm-hmm. why he's using rabbits, because they fuck so much. Mm-hmm. And they have really quick turnaround times on creating children. Yes. That's that's the core premise. Like That's why he's a scientist. Okay. All right. That brings us right into our next movie, 2018's Rotten Tale, directed by Brian Skiba, written by David C. Hayes and Brian Skiba, based on the graphic novel by Kurt Belcher, Kevin Moyers, and David C. Hayes. Starring Dominique Swain, Corin Nemec, and William McNamara. Do you remember Dominique Swain? I do. I had a huge crush on her when I was younger. What's she from? Probably best known from Face Off. She's the hot daughter in Face Off. Okay. Uh, she was Lolita in the Lolita remake. I don't think I've ever seen the remake. Uh, well, anyway, she plays Anna Banana in this movie. That's her credited name. <laughs> Apparently, her last name is actually Banana. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought that was just what he called her. Yeah, no, but uh, but that's what her credited name is. Anyway, what is Rotten Tail about? <laughs> a scientist is bit by... A radioactive bunny. <laughs> a radioactive rabbit, and he turns into a half-rabbit man-hybrid... Who also kind of takes over his personality, but also not. So it's yeah. kind of like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. Uh-huh. Plus Spider-Man, like you were saying. Yes. But Mr. Hyde, as in, like, funny. Or thinks he's funny. Only goes after assholes. Uh-huh. Type of guy. Like a mask type. And he, I don't know, he takes down bad guys, I guess. He has to get revenge for the guy that killed his favorite pet bunny rabbit. When he was a kid, just how everything just so perfectly aligns plot wise. <laughs> anyway, it is right out of a comic book is what I'm saying. Yes. And I appreciated the comic book elements. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Uh, you can watch it with ads on Voodoo Free, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> if you have a subscription to Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. You can rent it for $4 on Voodoo, $5 on Apple TV, Google Play and YouTube and Microsoft. 
or $6 on Amazon itself. You can buy it for $10 on Vudu, $13 on Apple TV and Google Play and YouTube, and it goes up from there. Should people watch Rotten Tail? I mean, no, but it's not. Yeah. But no. it's not <laughs> terrible. It's not terrible. It made me laugh. It has a charm to it. It certainly made me laugh. The way I described it, I, I wrote kind of my thoughts here at the bottom, and I can give them to you now. These are sort of my overarching thoughts because it doesn't really spoil anything about it. But it feels like an old school trauma movie, but in HD. Like there's Toxic Avenger, Class of Nukem High, Surf Nazis Must Die, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, Tromeo and Juliet. But way more gory than this was? This was pretty gory. Hmm. It's dumb and it's gross. The filmmakers and the actors know it's dumb and it's gross. And that kind of gives it the sort of perverse charm. Yeah. The trouble is, is having grown up on a lot of trauma movies, thank you very much, Bob. One, there are funnier and better versions of this. And two, it doesn't really do anything novel or particularly interesting. And it is way too long for what amounts to practically no plot. Yes, it is. I I could not believe how long it was. It's like almost an hour and 50 minutes long. Especially when you're absolutely right. They are self-aware. So I am very confused why they made it as long as they did. Yeah. How did they not see that there were a bunch of scenes in this movie that could have been cut? So that's why, while I do say it has a charm to it and I didn't hate it and there were parts that were fun... I still would say, no, you don't need to see this. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2018's Rotten Tail. No one in or out until Project MR is complete. I don't have any projects called MR. I can't really talk about it because it's top secret. Find out how to make more of these things ASAP. Yes, sir. Hey, how are you? You're going to need to send help. Send everyone. It's not Peter anymore. It's Rotten Tail now. I am a rabbit man. I mean, not like a rabbit man, but a rabbit man. There is no such thing as a bunny man. Are you ready to see the Easter Bunny kids? All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Rotten Tail begin? We meet a lab tech who is receiving animals from a pet store owner. Yeah, the pet store owner who is constantly shot at a Dutch angle. (sighs) Okay. It's like what Kenneth Branagh did in Thor, where he just put everything at a Dutch angle because Dutch angle equals comic book for some reason. Hmm. That particular character, I was like, why is he always at a Dutch angle? And then you never see him again. So there's no motivation to that shot other than it seems it feels comic booky. It's really not. We'll see a lot of them throughout the movie. 
the colors more than anything, I think, are very comic booky. And I think and they're I great. Loved the colors in this movie. Yeah, I thought the color was awesome. They just put some gels on some lights and lit the whole scene in like Reds magenta and, and stuff like that. Like it was great. Yeah. Very simple. You would never do a whole movie like this if you were making a big blockbuster. But because this is just a, you know, a B horror movie indie, you could do that. And yet it's so long. It's so long. <laughs> I don't know why they thought it needed to be this long. It's so long. It does not need to be an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> no, not at all. So this lab tech is trying to be like, I need a Wolverine, because all he has is rabbits. Because one doctor that he works for needs a Wolverine, and one doctor he works for needs rabbits. Because he's trying to make, like, a genetic monster Wolverine for the military. But... When the tech shows up with the rabbit that he got from the pet shop, shop owner, which he bought under the table, I guess, black market bunnies. Well, yeah, How much could you you're, possibly not get? To, you're not supposed to be experimenting on right, animals. Just, just go to a pet store and buy a bunny. They don't know. I'm not suggesting you actually do this, but why do you need a black market delivery? But anyway, when Wolverine Doctor is like, where are my Wolverines? And the tech's like, all I have are these bunnies for this other doctor in his experiments. Wolverine Doctor takes the bunny instead. Yes, and this lab technician keeps getting yelled at by everyone, and he's obviously a coward. So then when the one person who's nice to him, the doctor who didn't get the rabbits that he asked for, Peter Cotton, like, where are my rabbits? He yells at him. Yeah. Because he's the bottom yes. of the food chain, even though he certainly shouldn't be. That's how we know that our hero is pathetic. Yes. Peter Cotton, played by Corin Nemec. And he goes in, and it's it's very, it reminded me a lot of Leprechaun 3, in that he goes from, like, this sad sap to this wisecracking, villainous Yes, you've trickster. seen it before. <laughs> yes. But I actually thought he did a decent job. Uh-huh. Yeah. With both roles. Mm-hmm. I, did, I think he overdid it a little bit on both ends. But that's kind of the, what the movie was going for. Yeah, so I, I kind of accepted that. Yes, dude's name is Peter Cotton. And the movie couldn't decide how it was spelled. Is it with an E-N or an O-N? Because in the closed captioning, it kept flipping it around in the credits, in synopses, like official things, like they'll mix it up all the time. Hmm. He wanders into that lab looking for his rabbits, and he finds the mutated rabbit, but the rabbit bites him. Yep, and because he tries to set it free, and yeah, it I'm bites I'm your him. friend! <laughs> it's like a giant mutant rabbit hybrid, but it's like a hairless puppet. Yes. So then we get to see his memories of his childhood. Narrated to us by somebody. We don't know who at this point. Some guy with a cigar. It's pretty damn obvious that it's him. But like, the only other time we see this narrative framing device is at the very end visually. That's it. Like, they don't stick to this. It seems very weird. But he's watching like home movies of Peter Cotton's childhood. But I can see this being in a comic book. Yeah, but I would have expected it more often, mm. you know. But we find out that Peter Cotton was a big old nerd. In the 10th grade. At Easter Falls. And he's... Is he supposed to be younger than the other kids, or did they just cast really weird? 
I think they just wanted him to look small and yeah. weak. So, so he's at a science fair and he has his favorite rabbit and the bully comes up and fucking snaps its neck. Yeah. So there's like, where are where are the adults and yeah. why are uh-huh. none of the kids like responding to the fact that he's going to kill a rabbit? Like, right. it's very odd. But it's just supposed to create this lo- this ridiculous villain, and he has That's this girlfriend Jake yeah. that he like hits. <laughs> Does he hit her, well, or he's he, like, just mean to her? He pushes her to the ground. Oh, okay, so yeah. it, it's pretty yeah. obvious. And like he tells her, like you don't speak until I I tell you to. And this is Anna. Yes. And then Anna will go from being this person, this person that he can throw around, to really strong. And we don't get to see wh- how that changed, yeah. why that happened, nothing. And that bully will go on to become this huckster evangelist, yeah. uh-huh. uh, televangelist. And it's absolutely way over the top. He will straight up murder people when giving uh, baptisms yeah. and on He said television. he could hold his breath for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's way over the top. But I... I love this character. William McNamara loved him. He was great. He was exactly dead on what he needed to be. I can understand if you don't like that, but he was he was hitting his target. Well, so this is 20 years after that, so I guess he's probably like 35 somewhere in there now. Yeah. Uh but it's their um it's their reunion. Mhm. Pete just got broken up with. Yes, his girlfriend broke up with him and told him that the sex was awful. Pete, it's over. I don't love you. I don't think I ever did. Heads up, the sex was awful. Please get help, Darla. Sad. We never meet Darla. No. You just need to know that Pete is pathetic and just broken up with. Yes, which is why when Anna calls him up, he's very excited to see her. Yeah. But what he finds out is that she's there for the reunion. Now, here's the thing. Is that not where he lives? Because there's going to be this confusion. I think he lives outside of Easter Falls. There is a little bit of confusion there, yes. Uh, Because at one point, they're talking about, like, Phoenix. Yeah. And how he lives in Phoenix. Phoenix. I know, like, how the minister would even know that. But they're in Easter Falls. Yeah. I don't understand. Easter Falls is where everyone grew up and they're all converging back on there for the reunion and Pete lives somewhere nearby in a nearby town in Phoenix, I guess. The televangelist, her ex-boyfriend or her ex-husband, I think they divorced. Yeah, did they get a divorce or did they just break up? I don't remember. I think she said they divorced. Anyway, he is going to... Take the land of her of her grandfather's church because I guess there's gold under there. Yeah, I don't know how he knows that. Uh-huh. Uh, but so he wants to take that land. He's pretending he's going to use it for his church, but he's he really wants it to get the gold under the land. That never resolves, by the way. Nothing comes of the fact that there's gold under the church. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> the point is, is that she, he wants her grandfather's land. And so yeah. she is determined to prove that the land is considered historical. So he can't build on it. Yeah. But he paid somebody in the records office to change the date that it was built. So it doesn't have historical status anymore. 
and she wants her good old friend Peter to come and help her. She can manipulate. Oh, totally. Like, let's be honest, she's not that great a person. No. But during this time, he is starting to change. So he needs to get out of there. My stomach hurts now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he is. And it's very gross. And he's also kind of starting to turn a little bit into a jackass. Like, he, yeah, it, like it's the a voice little, will come through and it's a little, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but all very it's supposed to be light and comical. But uh-huh. Sometimes it isn't very light. Sometimes he makes jokes that make you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Or jokes that are just like knowingly bad. So it's like. Is he supposed to be funny or isn't he supposed to be funny? At times it felt like he was supposed to be, haha, this wisecracking guy that makes you laugh. But then other times it's very obvious that the movie knew that he was making a joke that was dumb and not funny at all. And so, like, which is it? Yeah, I don't know. Meanwhile, the mutant rabbit has gotten out and the military is freaking out and they're like, you know, send everyone. Yeah. And the rabbit is literally eating people now, which doesn't make sense. Why didn't he eat Peter? Why did he, yeah, only he just bite bit him. him? I don't know. He just he got that's how he got his taste for blood. Maybe. So the military is like, I need 20 more of those or whatever. The main general is pretty funny. Yeah. He, he doesn't made, have a he lot made me of laugh a couple times. Screen time, really. Right. He's not an important character in any way, but right. Some of his lines did make me laugh. Mm hmm. But he, like, wants the serum to have sex with his wife. Yeah, so the serum that Peter's working on is to cure infertility. I guess that also means that you just have a hard-on for a week? Well, he said it's not done yet. Uh It's not perfected. And he does tell him one of the side effects could possibly be that you could have an erection for several days. And he's like, great. That's Uh exactly what he wanted. And so this guy will take the serum, and then he has a visible erection, and I wrote down, I honestly hope he keeps his heart on for the rest of the movie, and it doesn't just get bitten off or something like that. He doesn't. It will be used to throw him around at one yeah. point. The uh, the rabbit will throw him around by his dick. It rotten will also... tail will, not the mutant one. Yes, rotten tail. And it will also be used by the mad scientist to bring him back to life. Was it? Is, yes. Was it hooked to an electrode or something? The thing that, you know, the big thing yeah, that uh-huh. points down and the electricity shoots out of it, it's shooting into his penis, yes. Oh, okay. And it sucks because there's there's some funny shit in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and just, just buried. really lame jokes yeah, on top of that. It's buried under a lot of terrible stuff. Yeah. And that general will be very excited by the mutant rabbits. Make more of these as yeah, soon as uh-huh. possible. America the Beautiful, he will say. America the Beautiful. Major, find out how to make more of these things ASAP. Yes, sir. And we find out that the mad scientist created it by combining the personalities of Dahmer, Bundy, and Holmes. Yeah. It's so stupid. And when things start going wrong, it it says, you're fucked, like the computer does, and so it's very self-aware humor. Yes, and the rabbit, I guess the rabbit wants to be the only one, because he definitely stops them from making more, on purpose. Yeah, it's Like, he pulls the plug, and I'm like... In Gremlins, they wanted more of them. 
I'm surprised you wouldn't want more to take over the world. Yeah, uh-huh. So, meanwhile, Peter has officially fully changed over into the rabbit. It's rabbit time! And he walks in on the wife of the general, who the general just left her tied up for sex. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, Jesus, am I going to watch a rape scene right now? That's but supposed no, to be she's funny? into it, and they don't explain why. A- she can suddenly untie herself, yep. which they pretend like she couldn't the whole time. Uh-huh. And B, all of a sudden, yeah, she's like into it. Even when he takes off his pants and he has a small penis and she's like, ugh, that's all you're, you got or whatever it is that she says, she's still like super into it. So I don't know. Is he like exuding some sex pheromone or something? Well, yeah, I I think the only reason they did that was because they they knew they couldn't have a funny rape scene. Exactly. So yeah. like, so let's just be into it. suddenly make her attracted to him for some for reason. For no reason. He is a mutant rabbit with a small dick. <laughs> yeah, well, what they try to, I think what they try to explain is that because he's a rabbit, oh, he does have special powers. He has rabbit strength, which I did not know rabbits were strong, and he has rabbit speed. Yeah. So he's super, super fast. And sometimes he can use, like, electricity. I don't know. The electricity is from when he runs fast. Okay, I guess. Uh, but... I think the idea is that he's really good at sex because he's like a rabbit. He can go all night forever and ever and ever, and he never gets tired. Yeah. So she's going to get pregnant from this sex, and it's going to... The incubation time is really, really short, just like rabbits. Yeah, it will end with her having a mutant rabbit baby. That's how the whole movie ends. It's dumb. But I saw it coming. I'm surprised that he didn't have sex with Anna. I thought Anna was going right. to pre- get pregnant with his baby. Nope. But yeah, so the general's running around with a giant boner, and he's fighting people, and he shoots a totally innocent person because he gets scared and then blames him for yeah. being a mm-hmm. for being a pussy. That's his word that he uses all the time. At one point... The rabbit is fighting someone. I think it might be the general, and the general's just making fun of him. You fantasy island watching dick. Like, he's just what like, is that? I like I fantasy, like fantasy island. island. What is that? Those, I, but those lines are, they made me laugh. Uh-huh. I think because they were wacky and came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Say goodbye to your little friend. And I think he's talking about his dick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's when he starts throwing him around by his dick. That's when he has sex with the general's wife. After that, the televangelist Jake Mulligan shows up, and it's a fun line. The rabbit sniffs the air and says, my nemesis is on the premises. Yeah, my nemesis is on the premises. And I'm late for a very important date. And there was a lot of fun work with shadows, uh-huh. which also felt very comic book all this lighting stuff, yeah. Yeah, the lighting technician is great here and some of the lines they really hit but unfortunately like i said a lot of them did not nope somewhere around here is where i first noted that twisted is on the soundtrack you ever heard of twisted t-w-i-z-t-i-d no so uh, used to listen to a lot of icp in high school and middle school oh gosh yeah and twisted was like a um like their secondary act, like their openers and stuff. They've since gone on to form their own record label, but 
Jamie Madrox and Monoxide Child. They're, you know, it's horrorcore rap is kind of what they call it. They also paint their faces like clowns like ICP does. Okay. Yeah, but they're, they have like two or three different songs on the uh, in the movie. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, this is made by people who are still juggalos. <laughs> Six iconic busting mirrors and broken logic. Now I'm addicted to killing and blood like a narcotic. You know, when I was a juggalo, the 90s. <laughs> At one point, the priest, the televangelist, is speaking to his wife. And he's talking about how it's unfair that, like, he can't do what he wants to do because people think, like, what he's doing is wrong and evil. And she's just like, well, you are. And then he's like, but I need the land, damn it. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't care. I need yeah, this. Uh-huh. At one point, the rabbit is driving, and it's kind of funny. He's like, go around me, go around yeah. me. And then because he won't, does Because he... he's on his little moped that <laughs> Peter drove. Yes. I don't know. A bunch of shit happens. At some point, he, like, ties a guy up and forces him to eat shit that he call that he says are not eggs. Yeah, yeah, he, he goes, kills he kills one of the henchmen of the minister, and yeah, he shoves what are supposed to be chocolate eggs, but it's really just shit. Which is weird, because we saw earlier that Peter shits pellets, like a yes. rabbit does. Mm-hmm. So, like, what shit is that? Maybe something that he found. He also saves Anna without her knowing. The minister sends his guy. Oh, that's who he shit, he puts shit into his mouth. The guy that the priest sends oh, yeah, is to gonna go after Anna. Kidnap her so she can stop interfering with our plans and make her wear something sexy or whatever. And yeah, when that's why he that dude gets killed. Yeah, and he leaves her a chocolate bunny and her dickhead boyfriend pretends that he gave it to her. Yes, the dickhead boyfriend who was a cop. Yes. Which is weird. He's also going to be the cop that investigates the crime scene of that that shit egg victim which is why the rabbit kills him because he's like well i can't be i can't be made yeah but like also and then he realizes that ooh, this means that anna's a signal exactly but also the minister jake and his other henchmen and his wife i guess are talking about their evil plan to fake an explosion on the premises before the date that they actually get the land or something like that before they break ground on the construction and before it can be revealed that this is actually a historical location and lie about it. They're doing that in front of the cop who's investigating the crime scene right there. And he doesn't respond at all. And I'm like, wait, is he involved? Yeah. It's unclear. It's very unclear, but it doesn't matter because the rabbit's about to kill him. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So I think we're supposed to think that he's involved because that would make it easier to believe, like, to not care that he's killed. Yeah. There's a weird thing going on with the mad scientist. He has, like, a weird accent that changes, like, every shot that he's in. Yes. That is so weird. So this is Dr. Sirius Stanley, played by Gianni Capaldi. At first I thought it was a British person putting on an American accent and that he was just going back and forth on his accent. But then other times it sounded very different from a different country. So here's the thing. He's Scottish. He's ethnically 
Italian, but he was born and raised in Scotland. And it, it, it vacillates with the accent sometimes Spanish, like from Spain. And sometimes it is like Irish or British. No, 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 no! Shit! Hello, US Army, please. No, I don't have the number. Why? I really am a genius. Play with my toys. Waiting for electrical storms. I don't know. I just need power. Power is the key. Yeah, it goes all over the place. And I feel like it might have been intentional. Just but if it he's was, a weird character. Yeah, but if it was, I wish it was more obvious that more his accent. Pronounced. Didn't you have a different accent before? You know, like that, like something out of Men in Tights where he's like, wasn't your mole on the other side? You know, like that thing. I That's wish they the did joke. something like that. Remember that joke from uh, the Victor Crowley movie? <laughs> the boat. Driver. Oh, yeah, where the accent is fake. He goes from being Asian to... Cajun. He's Cajun. Cajun to and Asian. And then it turns out he's really Asian. To Californian. He's putting that on, too. Yeah, so... But I wish this was more like he's not putting anything on. He's just insane. And the accents come out different in every scene he's in. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. It feels almost intentional, but they just needed a little bit more punch there. At one point... It, so it's it's Easter Sunday, and I think that's the day that they're going to break the ground or something. Yeah, uh-huh. But so it's Easter Sunday, and to cover up himself, because he can't be around people the way he looks, he puts on a the rabbit costume. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, great, the Easter Bunny's here. And then they treat the Easter Bunny like he's Santa? Yeah. Tell really the Easter weird. Bunny what you want for Easter. It was very bizarre. And then he just gets up and leaves. Yeah. What like was they, the point of that scene for him to like say shit to kids? They just know that they wanted a scene where he was dressed up like the Easter bunny and had to take pictures with kids. And they had no way of actually building it into the story. So. Yeah. He even says, he what do I look it. like? Santa? Yeah. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> I want a new skateboard. All right. You'll get nothing and like it. Hey, it's mine. Oh. Hey, what are you doing? And he kills uh, the wife this way. By making, he's like getting to turn her into an Easter basket and then he just kills her and it's yeah. really dumb. Uh-huh. It's really, really dumb. I wrote what and why with this scene. <laughs> <laughs> what and why. And then there's like this whole scene where like they have a rotary phone and he can't remember the numbers, the, the televangelist. No, 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 no. Okay, so... He has Dominique Swain tied up, Anna, and she says, it's Peter, he's a mutant bunny and he's coming for you. Jake is like, it can't be Peter, he's a geek scientist off in Phoenix or whatever. And it's like, how he would know that, who knows? And she's like, no, he's here. And he's like, no, I'll prove it to you. I'll call him or whatever. Do you have his number? And she gives him his number and she says it too fast for him to enter it in. And so he makes her go slow and she's just reciting this number. What's his telephone number? Huh? We're gonna call him up. We'll see where it's going on. Five, five, five. Oh, hey! Slow down! Five. 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 Seven. Seven. Four. Four. Three, eight. One at a time. Eight. Okay. And I wrote down. The slow phone number bit is kind of funny. I but, actually liked it. But why is there a rotary phone? Because they're inside a historical church. 
Oh, meh. This is where the climax is going to happen, by the way, in this church. Like we said before, the mad scientist is bringing the general dude back to life. With his dick? Yeah. He turns him into this super soldier with this really stupid, like, practice football padding and a helmet. And now he's like a super-powered monster. And he's going to send him in to stop Peter Rottentail. Kill the rabbit. Bring me his brains. Kill the rabbit. Kill the rabbit. And meanwhile, back where they're doing the groundbreaking thing, the televangelist is giving a speech and Peter runs up on the stage and is like, this guy's an asshole. He's evil. And they're like, why? What'd he do? And he's like, he killed my pet rabbit. And they were like, so? They're like, I mean, yeah, but is it really that bad? <laughs> it was bizarre. It's yeah. like, he killed a creature. Right, you don't but, care? Oh, we thought that you were going to come up here and tell us that he was a murderer or something. Like, they expected some big revelation, and it's like, they even comment on it. Like, yeah, that's awful, but, like, that's it? <laughs> I want all of Easter Falls to know that this man is a murderer! A rabbit! He's a rabbit killer! He murdered my pet bunny! And he's gonna kill all of yours, too! Doesn't sound that bad. Ah. But yes, he causes a commotion, and there's all the fighting. The military is now outside. At one point, Sergeant Slaughter, who is this extra character that they didn't develop at all, is like, get me the president, or whatever. Right? Was it him, or was it the... The other military, there's like three military dudes, including the general. Yeah, I don't know. The rabbit is going around eating people, so the military is doing all this stuff, and the general is going after the rabbit, and I think at one point, doesn't he catch on fire? Somebody catches on fire. Somebody catches on fire, but Rottentail cuts off the mutant general's head. And at the end... His head is still alive. Yes, and we'll we'll get to that end moment real quick here. But while Rottentail is beating the shit out of Jake, for whatever reason, they thought their big climactic moment needed to be a, an appeal to Rottentail's conscience. Like, you're better than him. Don't kill him. And it's like, he's been killing people completely nonchalantly the entire movie. And now he, he he faces his completely unrepentant nemesis, and we're supposed to think, oh, it's a victory because he didn't kill him. You broke his neck, and now, Jakey Jake, I'm going to break yours. Stop! Peter, stop! You have to stop this. You have to stop all this killing. This isn't like you. This isn't right. <laughs> What? You've been conditioning us this whole entire movie to not care that things are dying, not take it seriously, but now there's a serious emotional moment? It totally doesn't fit. <laughs> but yes, he ends up not killing Jake, and then he, what, runs off with Anna, or he leaves without Anna? I can't remember. I think they end up together. It doesn't matter, because the really important resolution at the end is that the general's wife is giving birth and he's just a head in the room. Yep. And then she gives birth, and then he's like, ah, oh, lift me up. And so they, like, pick up his head so he can see the baby. And it's another one of those mutant bunny rabbits from the beginning of the movie. I will admit, this got me. He says, that ain't my child. Not because it's a mutant bunny rabbit, 
but because the kid is white. It's like, okay. All right. That was fun. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. An hour and 45 minutes to tell that story. And it kills all the people inside in the general smile, the new general smiles. Yeah, like his subordinate who's kind of been running things ever since the general we know died, in quotes. <laughs> and then there's the Sergeant Slaughter. Those are the three military dudes that have no character development whatsoever. Right. I, I mean, look, the movie does make me laugh occasionally. Yeah. There were some parts where I guffawed because I was just like, oh my God, it just, it's wacky, off the wall, random. The actors are giving it their all. Like, yes. legitimately, they are dedicated to this movie. I enjoyed the main guy as as the rabbit. I could have done without all the fart jokes. Oh, totally. All the gross shit. Like, it shit was never was, funny. All the gross shit was very childish, and I was like... I mean, I get that they're, you know, not to be mean, but I get that there's a lot of, you know, teenage guys who would think that shit was funny and, yes. you know, nerds that it's read a, the comics and it's stuff. It's a bunch of adults making something that they would have enjoyed, enjoyed when they were kids, but they still legitimately enjoy this stuff as adults. And it's like, that's like not to shame people that like stupid comedy. I like stupid comedy, too. But this is just stupid for stupid sake. And there's nothing clever about it. Right, but I mean, it kind of, you know, when I watch um, Jay and Silent Bob movies, I just have to, you know, ignore that shit. Right, well, like I say, it's very much like a trauma movie, and trauma movies are full of this crude humor and violence and sex and stuff like that. Like, it felt like it really wanted to be a trauma movie. But again, like I said at the beginning, there are tons of trauma movies which are better than this, funnier than this, more clever, and that did new and interesting things. This does practically nothing new. So there is that charm about it of it's just stupid humor, and it was having fun, and all the actors were having a blast, and I really enjoy that about it. Mm -hmm. But there are so many other, like, if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, there are so many other movies that are doing it better. Mm -hmm. So I can't recommend it. Mm. Because of that, you know? And again, it's way too long. <laughs> way too long. So what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? I think I know. Do you? Isn't it 17? It is 17% out of six reviews. Yeah, I saw it. So there's one positive review. No consensus statement, no Metacritic, no cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Keep in mind, yes, it's only out of six reviews. Bless the Child is out of like 200 or something. But it is 15 points higher than Bless the Child. Because <laughs> Bless the Child was 3%. Holy shit. I forgot about that. Oh, it's definitely underrated. Yeah. It's not a 17. It's not a 17. I... If you know what you're getting into, it, everyone knows if they already like this kind of stuff or they don't. And there is some skill involved. Yes. The lighting is amazing. The acting's fun. Yes, lots of fun. Told you, I really liked the guy. I liked the main guy as the rabbit. I liked Jake. I loved Jake. I thought he was perfect as a villain, as a as a sleazy televangelist who's just doing it for the money. And the general got me to laugh several times. Oh, when Jake kills the records guy because he won't do more things to, to fudge the numbers or whatever... He shoots his head off with a shotgun. And all this blood All the blood everywhere. just keeps squirting off. And he's like, holy shit, have you ever seen that before in your life? <laughs> and he just keeps waving his hand over the stump where the head would be. And he is having a blast. 
guy's like, who's going to clean all this shit up? You are. <laughs> God damn. Where's his head? <laughs> look at that. Get out of my way. Looky here. It's clean gold. Really? Woo, look at that. You ever seen that before? God damn, I've never seen that before. Woo. It's Some a magic trick. Hey, he knew too much. It's time for him to go. Who's going to fucking clean this up? You're going to clean it up. You're going to take care of this and find a nice lake for the body. So I'm going to give it a 35. I think 35 sounds perfect. I will also give it a 35. Not a good movie. Like, let's be clear. But if you're into this sort of thing and you know if you are already, it's not the greatest out there, but you might get a laugh Mm -hmm. and you might have fun. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. But generally speaking, not a good movie. No. So that is 2018's Rotten Tale, thus ending our Easter episode on Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? We are finishing a series next week. Oh, yeah. I love it when we wrap up series. It just, it hits that, like I get that serotonin hit. When we complete something, you know, when you check off all the boxes on a list. Yes, we are finishing up an entire series. We're finishing The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. We are going to watch Exorcist 3. Yes. And Dominion. Yeah. So, as a reminder, Exorcist The Beginning was made by one director originally, and then... They reshot practically the whole thing by Rennie Harlan, the guy who did Cutthroat Island, and it was not great. (laughs) So they hired back the original director of that movie to make the movie that he originally planned on making with Stellan Skarsgård. So that's Paul Schrader. So it's actually called Dominion. It's not called Exorcist Dominion. But its subtitle is prequel to The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're they're doing a do-over. Hey, you know that movie you originally shot? Recut it. We're going to give you a grip of money. Recut the movie. I don't know if he did any pickup shots or anything like that. And then we'll release that for you again. We screwed you over last time and the result sucked. So here, you can do it now. I guess. I'm really interested to see what comes of it. And of course, Exorcist 3, everyone thinks is the... Second best Exorcist movie. Some people might even think it's the best if you're weird. I don't know. I have not heard that. I All I've ever heard is praise over that one scene. I haven't heard praise over the whole movie. Well, first of all, it has George C. Scott as that detective from the first movie. Classic actor. He is juror number three in the Showtime or Cinemax remake of 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is actually written by William Peter Blatty. It is directed by William Peter Blatty. So this is like his baby, the original author of the of the Exorcist novel. And of course, Brad Dourif is in it. They bring back Father Marin for a bit. Like it's it's an act after the weirdness that was Exorcist 2. Incredibly bizarre. Oh God, Exorcist 2 is so bad. It's like, no, this is the real sequel to The Exorcist. Uh, And it has that famous scene with the body in the bag. And it has that famous scene of George C. Scott and Brad Dourif in the jail cell. Yeah, it's supposed to be, hey, you know what? This is, we're actually trying this. So I'm interested. I'm really interested in next week's movies. Okay. So we'll see how that turns out. Glad you're as excited as you are. (laughs) 
That's next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com. Get a list of all the movies we've ever watched in alphabetical order so you can... If you're trying to navigate our backlog, you can find a movie that you like or you'd like to hear us talk about and listen to that episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Tons of extra stuff goes up on Twitter every time we edit an episode, which is usually on the weekends and Mondays. That's at Pod Cemetery. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review us. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. It makes a huge difference. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Thou shalt not kill especially with no bullets. Mama mia, Papa mia, But God bless the child that's got his own, that's got his own. Yes, the strong gets more while the weak ones fade. Are you ready? Are you ready for quiet time? Now I am. Is get Cody and get her to Vermont and get her to and get her to Vermont. Whatever. Fucking whatever. Never see it coming. I don't know the words to this song. I wish I did. You run in. He finds the mutated rab rabbit. He he finds the mutated rabbit. It's shooting into his penis. Yes. Oh, okay. The mad scientist is bringing the general dude back to life with his dick.